Welcome, Gathering family. Welcome to everyone watching online. We are in week four of our Jireh series. Jireh is the Hebrew name for God, meaning the Lord will provide. And I've got good news, whether you're here today or whether you're watching online, the Lord will provide. Amen? Has anybody read uh, Moby Dick? Yeah, you remember this, right? Well, in this book, there's a story of a ship that was lost at sea for many days. Well, finally, this lost ship saw off in the distance, it saw this friendly vessel. And I'm gonna remove this friendly fan because it's gonna bother me the whole time, Brian Bowers. So I'm gonna love of God, someone shut that off. That might be the last fan you have. No. Um, so, so this vessel's lost at sea, right? And uh, finally sees this friendly vessel and it sends up a signal to the friendly vessel. It says, water, water, we die of thirst. The friendly vessel quickly responds, cast down your bucket where you are. The distressed ship responds and says, water, water, send water. Again, the friendly vessel responds, cast down your bucket where you are. Two more times, that friendly vessel would respond with the same way. Cast down your bucket where you are. Finally, the captain of the lost ship, he lowers his bucket into the water and he brings it up out of the water and to his surprise, it's full of clean, fresh, sparkling water. You see, the, the ship had drifted to the mouth of the Amazon River. The mouth of the Amazon is 110 miles wide, but more importantly, it discharges 11 million cubic feet per second of fresh water. The provision was there all along. All he had to do was lower his bucket. And I think God's telling us the same thing today. He says in 2 Peter 1.3, he says, I've given you everything you need for a godly life. How much is everything? How much is everything? Everything. Look it up in the Greek. Everything means everything. Hebrew means everything. God's given us everything. He says, I just need you to lower your bucket. Turn to your neighbor and say, lower your bucket. Right then in the chat, lower your bucket. That's the name of the message today. Lower your bucket. Lower your bucket. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5. You got your Bibles? Meet me in Luke chapter 5. We're going to see five guys who recognized Jira. They saw Jira, the provider, and they would stop at nothing to lower their bucket to receive the provision from God that they needed. Now, let me give you a little background. This is uh, Jesus was beginning his second year of ministry. He was in Capernaum. He got expelled out of Nazareth. They ran him out of there. And so he's in Capernaum. And uh, that was kind of like his, his, his home base for a while. And uh, it was, it's a small village of about 1,500 people. It's north of the Sea of Galilee right there. It's a little fishing village. And, and Jesus was there teaching in Peter's home. And in verse 17 of Luke chapter 5, we pick up our text this morning. On one of the days while Jesus was teaching... Some proud religious law keepers and teachers of the law were sitting by him. They had come from every town in the countries of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. 
The power of the Lord was there to heal them. More about that later. Now it says in verse 18, some men, and we know from the parallel account in, in Mark chapter two of this story that uh, there were four men. So some men, four men, took a man who was not able to move his body to Jesus. He was carried on a bed. They looked for a way to take the man into the house where Jesus was. But they could not find a way to take him in because of so many people. They made a hole in in, uh, the roof over where Jesus stood. Then they let the bed with the sick man on it down before Jesus. They lowered their bucket. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. The teachers of the law and the proud religious law keepers thought to themselves, who is this man who speaks as if he's God? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now keep in mind, blasphemy, according to Jewish law, was a capital crime punishable by stoning. Verse 22, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He said to them, why do you think this way in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? (laughs) So, So that you may know the Son of Man has the right and the power on the earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who could not move his body, I say to you, get up. Take your bed and go to your home. At once the sick man got up in front of them. He took his bed and went to his home, thanking God. All those who were there were surprised and gave thanks to God, saying, we have seen very special things today. Lord, thank you for the special things that that, uh, we see, the very special things that you do. God, help us learn a thing or two about provision. Help us learn how to position ourselves, to lower our buckets to receive the provision that is right in front of us. God, help us do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, how do we lower our bucket? There's actually some biblical skill to lower your bucket. It's not quite as easy as, just, as you think. Okay, there's, there's some things we want to point out in Scripture. Number one, when you lower your bucket, we do that daily. Lower your bucket daily. It's, it's a big point. I was, uh, I was sitting at a restaurant for my 26th anniversary with my wife, and God dropped this in my spirit. I was gonna call the message this, but he said, provision is provisional, okay? Provision is provisional, meaning that it's existing for the present. What do I mean? Uh, Verse 17b, the power of the Lord was there to heal them. Now, was he there all the time? No. He would go to Peter's house. That was kind of their home base. But they recognized there was a window of opportunity by which they could receive the provision of God. Let me give you a biblical example. The Red Sea. If you go to the suspected point of the Red Sea crossing today and you raise your staff in the air, those seas aren't going to part because that was provisional. That provision was provisional. It was meant in Exodus 14 for Moses and the Israelites. How about the Jordan River? I've been there. And and you know what? When I stuck my foot in the river, like the priests who were carrying the ark did in Joshua 3, guess what didn't happen? (laughs) The water didn't stop up. I I was hoping it would. That'd be really cool. (laughs) Mount Carmel. I've been there too. I wanted to call down fire from heaven, right? 
but it didn't work because that was for Elijah in 1 Kings 18. And, and, and what I'm trying to say is that there is provision that is, that is timely. It doesn't mean that God's not going to provide for you tomorrow if you miss out on today, but it means that some provision from God, much of the provision from God, I would suggest, has an expiration date. Why is that? Why would, is God mean? No, no, no. He knows how we are. He knows that we need to be... Good things come from desperation. I think what's happening in our country right now, as tough as this is, what's going on, is there not a sense of desperation? And, and, and I'm not excusing, you know, leaders who make dumb decisions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us getting on our knees, humbling ourselves, crying out to God and saying, you know what, God, if you don't show up, we're in big trouble. And I think God says, yes, yes, okay, now we're talking. Now there's that there's the posture of praise, that posture of humility. Now I've got your attention. And you know what? I believe with all my heart, God's not going to abandon us. He's going to show up in a big and mighty way. He's just waiting on us to lower our buckets. Will you lower your, yourself to a posture of humility today? A posture of desperation? Because that's why provision is provisional. Because he knew that we would try to carry yesterday's provision into today's reality. And you know how I know? Exodus 16. Here's your breakfast, guys. This beautiful manna. He said, just use this for today, and tomorrow I'll provide for tomorrow, right? And what did they do? They saved it. Oh, I'm going to stockpile some of this. Put a little MRE, you know, I'm ready to go. And, and the next day, they woke up to maggot stew, right? It turned to maggots. Why? Because God wants us to be continually dependent on him for our needs for that day. Jesus talked about this, about lowering your bucket daily. He did. In Matthew chapter 6. Remember when he taught us to pray? He said, give us today, or this day, depending on what version, our daily bread. He said, lower your bucket daily. See, uh, I think if we're honest, we, we settle for a different kind of food, a different kind of, of bread. God says, Give us today our daily bread. He's talking about the bread of life, right? And so many times we settle for the world's version of bread. You know the world has a version of bread, don't you? And, and the funny thing is, it looks really good. I mean, does that not look good? I mean, it looks good and even smells good. But the funny thing about this bread, it's, uh, it's fake. I mean, how else could you have a... How else could you have a magnet in your bread, right? Uh, it's fake. And I was trying to get some of the guys backstage to take a bite just because I really wanted to see, you know, how that would play out, but they didn't. But like so many times we settle for, for fake bread and the world wants us to feast on it. Can I, can I tell you today in love? Don't feast on fake bread. Don't feast on fake bread because there's, the world will give you a nice substitute but you'll be left hungry. You'll be left wanting. Don't feast on fake bread. You know, the bread of this world is exterior, right? It's all external. God's, God's concerned with a more internal work. Everything about this world is external. In fact, this church, I just found out how, how external we are. Yeah, so one of my elders today told me, they said, you know, Pastor John, we spent 20 minutes in our family circle talking about that shirt you tucked in in the front. 
I'm glad you think it's funny. So the story goes, I had a long shirt and my wife said, just tuck it in the front. So I, evidently there's a thing called the front tuck. Did, did you know this? There's a front tuck. And, and, and one of the small groups were talking about Pastor John's front tuck. And I'm like, you know, I'm gonna do a side tuck today. I don't care what y'all think because we are so external, are we not? I mean, seriously, like, you know, we look around and we're like, oh, look at her bucket. Her bucket is, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, it's glass bucket with diamond point glass and sterling silver. Oh God, she's got such a perfect bucket. I would wish I had her bucket. Well, she didn't tell you that she took that bucket at just the right angle and she used the filter. What's it called? What's, it, what's that filter called? Oh, what's the one you always tell me to put on? Vivid, thank you. Vivid, that's the one. Put on the Vivid because it makes it look better. She didn't tell you that she had bucket enhancement surgery. And, and, and the, the, uh, the lashes, she has lashes, fake lashes on the bucket. So long that it pulls her neck down. She has to wear a neck brace. Like blinker, left turn, you know. Because we're so external, because we, and then there's nothing. Listen, if y'all have fake lashes, God bless you. Ain't nothing wrong with that. My point is, is this world is so external. It says feast on the things that are temporary, like, you know, like external things that, that pass away. God says, no. I'm the bread of life. John 6, 35, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Amen? Amen. Let me give you some daily, daily bucket fillers, all right? And I know we have new people to the faith. There's people who've been Christians for 30 years, but so, so, so some of the folks that might be new, I would encourage you to start with 10 minutes a day with Bible and prayer. 10 minutes a day, read your Bible for five minutes and pray for five minutes. Just start there and you watch what God does. And you say, where do I start? You know, there's 31 days in a lot of months, so just start in Proverbs and whatever day you're on, read that proverb. Start there and spend five minutes in prayer and again, watch what God does in your life. Also, grab a devotion. One I read every day is my utmost for his highest. It's a great devotion. There's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, and thirdly, I'd say uh, for parents who are taking their kids to school in the morning, my wife puts on Morning Mindset podcast. You can download that at the uh, App Store. It's a, it's a six-minute podcast and it just really focuses your kids' minds on things that are eternal uh, for their day. So make sure we're lowering our bucket on a daily basis. Second truth, lower an empty bucket. See, sometimes we lower our bucket expecting God to fill it, but God can't fill a full bucket. What's in the bucket? What are you full of, you ask? It's a four-letter word. <laughs> Junk, J-U-N-K. <laughs> Repent. You guys. Now, we got, we got a lot of stuff on us. If we're honest, there's, there's, there's some stuff in our bucket, and, I, and I'm being in all seriousness. And, and, and uh, I would say one thing that we have in our bucket is we have expectations. Expectations are a killer. You see, because we want God, Brian, we want him to define, or we want to define to God what our provision should look like and when it needs to show up. Like, you know, he's like, we treat God like Uber Eats. You know what I'm saying? Like we want him to do what we want to do when we want him to do it. It's not the way it works. The paralyzed man, he, he had some expectations, right? 
What were, what were his expectations of Jesus? Yeah, all right, Kim. It was to be healed. That's why, that's why he leveraged his four friends and said, you know, take me to Jesus. His expectation was to be healed, right? Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, you're healed. No, it's not what he said. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're a Baptist, that means, I can say this because I went to a Baptist seminary. No, uh, the old joke is if, 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 if you're a Baptist, you'd, you'd say that he was, he was paralyzed because there's sin in his life, right? As if God doesn't use those things for greater works. I mean, I'd refer you to John chapter nine when you know, they, they came to the man who was blind since birth and the disciples were like, mm, Jesus, um, who sinned to make him this way? Was it he or was it his, his parents? And Jesus said, no, 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 that was so my glory might be revealed, right? So we don't know, let's not pronounce judgment on this man. He might not be paralyzed because of sin. But what, what God was pointing, what Jesus was pointing out here is that there's two kinds of paralysis. He was worried and had an expectation for healing of his physical paralysis. And Jesus said, oh, no, no, no. You see, I, I always go to the greatest need. And you need to be spiritually free. You're immobilized spiritually. And I want to set you free. So he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And so here's what I want. And, and this, is a, this is a truth I really want you to apply. I don't want you to just be hearers of the word. This week, I want you to be doers of the word. I want you to take this home. I want you to chew on this. I want you to exercise this in your own life. This is a form of lowering your bucket right here. Pray for response over results. We oftentimes pray way too much and focus way too much in our prayer life on results. I want this to happen, God. Like, give them like a, like a shopping list. God, I need this. And God wants us to be more concerned about our response than, than the results. I used to pray for my kids. God, I pray that they turn out to be just these beautiful little angels. God, raise them up in, in the ways of the Lord and let them just turn out and let them marry just the perfect person. And I still pray some of that stuff, but you know, my prayers are different now. I pray, God, help me not strangle them through the day. <laughs> I got four teenagers living at home, okay? My, I, every time I go to the fridge, these, my boys, they clean it out. And so I pray for my response. God, help me, help me love these kids. Help me be an example. Help me not lose my mind. Help me be a godly man, a godly example in this home so that they have a little bit of a clue as to what to be when they get married. Right? I mean, let's pray for our response. You know what's interesting in this passage? So 22 of the 37 miracles, the biblical miracles that Jesus did, 22 of them happened in Capernaum. And yet, in Matthew 11, when Jesus is pronouncing the woes and the judgments of the unrepentant cities, guess which city shows up in that? Capernaum. Wow, he invested a lot of time with not very good results. Well, maybe it's not all about the results. Maybe it's about our response. Like, what should our response be? Maybe God wants us to be faithful in the midst of fear. Oh, wait, wait a second, Pastor John. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. So if you're fearful, there's something wrong with you. No, you're human. 
God doesn't give us the spirit of fear. Doesn't mean it doesn't creep in once in a while because we're us, you know, like we, we, we're not perfect, right? And so in the midst of fear, can you be faithful? Can you be patient in the midst of persecution? Because we know that's coming. God promised us that. Can you be strong in the midst of uncertainty? Because Hebrews eleven six 6 says it, without faith it's impossible. Does anybody ever have to use a little bit of faith to, to, to bridge the gap? Because you can't see what God's doing. And God says, exercise a little faith. Pray for your response, not just the results. So we need to empty our expectations. You know what else we need to empty? We need to empty our unbelief. Empty our unbelief. Verse 19, it says, but they could not find a way in to take him. They couldn't find a way to take him in. Does that, does that sound like anybody's life right now? I mean, can, would anybody be honest enough to say, you know what, I've got a struggle, I've got a situation, I've got something I'm going through and I just feel like I can't find a way in. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. See, a lot of us, if we're honest, we'd say we can't find a way in. And I wanna, I wanna say, be careful. Because oftentimes, as Christians, when we can't find a way in, we begin to look for a way out. Be careful. The enemy can talk you into things that will not help your life at all. We gotta empty, empty that unbelief. We all have some form of unbelief. In, in, um, in 2008, I quit the job that I was working and I loaded up the kids, loaded up the family, and we took a job out in Redding, California. And uh, I just knew God was calling me. I just knew I could hear it so plain as day. He was calling me to Redding, and I was, I was uh, going to take a job at a church there and be a worship pastor. And I got there, and three weeks in, I had buyer's remorse. Now, even churches, when you go to candidate churches, don't you, they put their best foot forward. Oh, it's so great. This is such a great church. We don't gossip at all, right? And then you get there, you're like, what in the beep just happened? You know, I was gonna say heck for all you religious people. So I got there and it just, it, it, was, it, was, it was a mess. And three weeks in, I remember we had a Saturday service and, and a, and a uh, Sunday as well. But on, after the Saturday service, and I call it a service, not a gathering. This is a gathering. That actually was a service, trust me. And I drove out to where I was staying at Lake California. And uh, this beautiful scene, right? I was, I was like, kind of like a mountain overlooking this and, and the Sacramento River. And I'm there and I'm, I start bawling because I don't want to go back to my wife and tell her that, I think I might've made a mistake in coming here, right? That's too humbling. <laughs> and so I go to God and, 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 uh, and I'm like, I cry out to God. I said, God, why'd you bring me here? Why God, why? I'm sure that's never happened to you. I'm sure I'm alone on that. You've never cried out to God and, and, and not understood things. Maybe been a little bit mad at God. Okay, so it's just me, but that's what I did. That's where I was at. I cried out to God. And I didn't understand what was going on. I, I, I was in the midst of unbelief. Like maybe I don't have this call in my life. Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Maybe I messed this thing up. And all I could see was debris. You know what I mean? 
Uh, the debris of, of my, 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 my situation, the debris of, of, of my circumstances just kind of raining down on me. I looked around and, and, and there was drama at the church and that, that caused, you know, and, and my wife, by the way, was eight months pregnant, right? We had three kids at that time under the age of five. She's eight months pregnant, trusting her husband, trusting her man. I heard from the Lord. How many times do we say that, boy? Someday we'll find out if we heard from the Lord, right? I'm like, God, did I hear from you, right? All this unbelief was creeping in. And all I could see was debris, debris, debris of failure. And you know what the funny thing is? I look back on that now, and I see that the provision was there all along. You see, God was doing something. I, I needed to learn. See, to be a good leader, it turns out you have to learn to be a good follower. And I had to learn that. And I also had to learn what God wanted me to do and what God wanted me not to do. Three weeks turned into three, to 4.5 years, four and a half years. I didn't like it. And I was looking for a way out, but God said, you stay right where I have you because I'm doing something. I'm providing something that you're gonna need, not only today, but when you start this church called The Gathering. And one of my favorite leadership quotes is from Craig Rochelle. He says, position may give you power to control, but trust gives you permission to lead. No one wants to follow someone they don't trust. And I had to learn that lesson. I had to learn how to be trustworthy to God and to people around me. But, but I want to point something out. What's the basis of your unbelief in your life? What's the basis of that? Now, to, to people who say, wait a second, I don't have any unbelief. Uh, we all have some form of unbelief. I can prove it to you because if everyone believed the Bible, we'd already be in, we'd already be in the new building because everyone would give 10% plus they're all right. Cause you'd believe God. You, you believe what God says in Malachi 3.10. You believe what he says in second Corinthians 9.6, right? That God wants to pour out these, these blessings, right? If we believe that we change the way we live our life, we change what we do, we change how we act, right? So we all have some form of unbelief and I'm not beating you up because I got my own stuff I'm working on. Okay. But I'm just saying, let's be honest. Let's, let's come before God with a contrite spirit. Let's, let's say, you know what? We do have some unbelief. But what's the basis for that unbelief? What is it? The, the basis for the unbelief in our life is the debris that we see raining down because the debris represents our problem. Okay. Friends, question for you. What fell in the hair of Jesus in Luke 5? He's standing underneath the roof. And we know from first century uh, architecture that the roof would have been tiles on the roof. And then there's clay underneath that. In fact, in Mark 2, that account says they dug through the roof. So again, I ask, what was falling in the hair of Jesus that day? Debris. Debris. But the funny thing is, when you read the scripture, Cassandra... It, it, it doesn't say that he saw debris. Verse 19 is, is where they cut the hole in the roof and dug it out. And the very next verse, when Jesus saw their faith, they didn't see debris. He didn't see debris. He didn't see destruction. He didn't see failure. He saw faith. Here's what I want to tell you. The debris of our life is evidence of faith. We need to change the way we look at the debris 
in our life. And I'm not talking about the self-induced debris where you do something stupid. I'm I'm talking about the God-allowed debris that we don't understand. We're living a godly life. We're doing our level best. And still, there's debris raining down. God doesn't see the debris. He sees evidence of faith. He doesn't see the problem we see. He sees, oh, there's some persistence. I like Nadine's persistence. We got to change what we see. And you know what? So I I want to put debris in the hair of Jesus this week. I know that sounds funny, but like related to our story, like I want the faith of my life, the evidence, the, the residue of my life to rain down in the hair of Jesus because he sees faithfulness. He sees people who are in love with him. What, is it, what does debris in the hair of Jesus look like? It looks like choosing to stay married one more day for married couples. It looks like loving a child whose actions make him or her unlovable. Love that little jack wagon. <laughs> I know it's hard. It looks like fighting to overcome addiction. Even when you mess up, even when you backslide, even when you fall back, getting up and fighting again. It looks like believing. Larissa, where are you at? Believing that what God spoke to you will come to pass, even though you see some debris, you see a debris field around you, you believe that what he whispered to you in the quiet was true, and it will come to pass, girl. Amen? we got to lower our bucket. When we do so, let's make sure we're lowering an empty bucket. So we lower our bucket daily. We lower an empty bucket. And lastly, we need to learn that buckets lower better together. Verse 19, it says, They, and I told you that they is four guys, made a hole in the roof over where Jesus stood. Then they let the bed with the sick man on it down before Jesus. Who's the they in your life? Oh, I got my spouse. That's awesome. Yay, God. And, and she comes first, he comes first. But after that, like, where's the they? The church was built on the cornerstone of Christ, but he meant for it to be they. He meant for it to be us, right? And there, we need people in our life. Some provision comes through relationship. If you're missing provision, it's because... To, to some degree, it may be because there's not relationship. You're not in relationship with someone. And God has something he wants to give you, but it comes through a person. comes by God through another person. Who's the they in your life? Let me give you a friend test. Pick out your four best friends, okay, in your mind. And if you don't have four friends, then refer to what I said about 30 seconds ago. Okay? <laughs> you have four friends, don't you? Okay. I'm one of them. You can count me on that list. But, but think, of, think of your four friends, okay? Four friends. We're going to do, do the friend test today. I'm going to give you a, a practical test to measure your friends based on Scripture. Very simple. If your friends, your four friends, were carrying you that day, would you have made it to Jesus? And that's a good sign that you have good friends. Because if the answer is no, then... then we have a problem. See, I think a lot of friends that, that people have, even Christians, that Christians have friends that they might choose an alternate path. They, they might see, oh my gosh, the door's blocked. You know, uh, you know, I mean, 
People don't even come to church because, you know, there's traffic or because it's rains or because we ran out of donuts last week. You know, so, I mean, like, excuse me if I, you know, <laughs> a little bit trepidatious and a little bit cynical here. But, like, sometimes our friends would take an easier path, right? Um, instead of, you know, the, 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 the door's full, there's, the place is crowded, there's no feasible way in, and I know you're paralyzed, we love you, we care about you, so we're going to take you to Del Webb. Right? Because at Del Webb, that's what most people would do, and that's where you can get treatment. Right? But the problem is, he didn't need treatment. He needed healing. Del Webb, thank God for them. Thank God for the doctors, the physicians, all the medical professionals. Yay, God. But they can't heal. He can heal. They can treat. But so often, our friends would say, you know what? Let's just take you to Del Webb. I was thinking about that myself today. I was thinking about my friends. I was thinking about Chachi. No, no, I know you're expecting a joke, but I'm being serious. I'm thinking to myself, if, if, if Chachi was there carrying me, would I make it to Jesus? And the answer is yes. I know in my heart he, would, he wouldn't go to Del Webb. He might stop at Del Taco. <laughs> he likes a good seven-layer burrito. No, but I guarantee you that man would get me to Jesus. And he knows I would do the same for him in all seriousness. And, and, and I think some of us, we've changed our faith, right? We're, we're really trying to live for Christ, Henry. We're trying to live for Christ, right? But sometimes we've changed our, our, our faith, but we forgot to change our friends. And it doesn't mean we abandon those people like, you know, you guys are losers because you know, no, no. But it means that we're changed. My faith changed me, and so I got to change who I hang with. Now, we love you, and there, there's an open door, and I want to tell you about Jesus, but, but if you're pulling me down, then I got to make some tough decisions. Friends can lower you or lure you. And in this instance, I'm talking about lower in a good way, right? Lower you before the feet of Jesus. Help you position yourself and posture yourself for blessing and provision from God. Friends can lower you or they can lure you. Be careful because many Christians are lured away. People have been lured away from this church by friends who love Jesus. And not that this church is for everyone. Sometimes God takes people away. Yay, God. But be careful. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk, in the, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. So your assignment today. Here's your assignment. Ready? Find a partner in provision. For some of you, it's to find a partner. For other people, it's to be a partner. Maybe you already have those people in your life, the they in your life. What I didn't tell you is that story back in 2008 when we moved to, uh, to Reading. There we are, right? My wife's eight months pregnant and uh, no friends, no family, no nothing. And a job that wasn't going so well. And how many know that when you have that many kids under the age of five or six, no one invites you to their house? <laughs> and I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. If I saw this entourage coming, I'd be like, oh, there goes my coffee table. No, like I wouldn't either. I get it. But there is this one lady who invited us over. Her name was Laura. 
Laura welcomed us into her home. And I remember my wife, she's like, trust me, you do not want to have us in your house. And she did. Her, her husband was a doctor and they had a nice house. And we had the, we had the sixth birthday. That was, that was that night. They welcomed us into their home. There's Levi. I'm holding Stella. Look at Gavin, Riley, and oh, cute little family. That was that night. And we tore that house up. But she loved us. And, and you know what? It didn't stop then. My wife would homeschool the kids. And you know how it is when you're like, you're detached from the world. You're homeschooling like in your little bunker, you know? And you're like, does anybody care about me? Does anybody even know I'm here? And Miss Laura would come and she would bring her lunch. She would come and she would, she would give them what they call Laura days. She would take each one of our kids on a different day. And she said, it's a Laura day. And she would spoil them rotten. They came back and they couldn't wait for their Lord. She took them to Disneyland because we didn't have enough money to go. So she took them. She loved on us. In 2018, I started this church. And don't you know, Laura and Jim, her husband reached out and said, we want to support this church. And so there they were faithfully supporting the church and they have ever since. And the cool thing is, they watch every single week. I'd say they're, they'd be watching now in Redding, California, except that they're here in the front row. Jim and Laura, would you stand up? Come on. <laughs> and Dr. Vogus, is, he served in the Navy and he is currently uh, a flight surgeon for the Pennsylvania National Guard. And so thank you for your service, Dr. Here's, here's what I want to tell you is, is the provision when I was going through hell and ready, and it was, man. I can get teared up if I think about it, but it was tough, man. And I wanted to throw in the towel. I wanted to quit. I felt defeated. I felt like a failure. God sent people, a partner in provision, to pick us up. And, and I look back and I think, you know what? The provision was there all along. It was always there. I just had to lower my bucket, right? And, and, and I want to tell you today, the provision is here, right? Jaira is here. He's playing Jaira on the keys. You hear it? That's Jaira. Jaira's here. The provider is here. The Lord will provide. He's here. But part of his provision is you stepping into a role of provision and to be a Miss Laura to somebody else. I don't know how that would have, that story would have ended. I don't know what would have happened if it weren't for that. And you can be that for somebody else. And if somebody else here is praying for a Miss Laura, you can, you can find that. You can step into that. And I would recommend maybe going out to the Connect Counter or one of our ministry tables and, uh, and get signed up for a family circle. We're in the midst of our community opportunity. Sign up, man, get involved. We're better together. We have men's ministry, we have women's ministry. We got marriage group, we got grief group. We, got, um, we have plenty of opportunities to serve. A lot of you just get connected and do life with people through serving. Just don't miss an opportunity to to love on someone because God 
uses his people. The word is koinonia. First used in Acts 2.42, koinonia, fellowship. Fellowship. Life isn't life without fellowship. Christ died for the church. He died so that we could fellowship together, so that we could live together in community, in relationship. Why? Because life ain't life without Miss Laura. Life ain't life without Mike P. Life ain't life without Texas Tim. We're all meant to be together. And we're better when we're together. Amen? Let's pray. Yeah. Give God praise. Lord, I thank you for this amazing church called The Gathering. I thank you that you you allow me to to be a part of it, God. And I I just thank you for this family. I've been to a lot of churches, God, and, and I thank God for all of them. I learned a lot in each one of them. But God, there's something different. Something different. And every church is different. Every church is unique. And I thank God. But, but I just have to thank you, God, for this, this family. I, I, I can feel authenticity. I can feel love. As imperfect as I may be and as we may be as a church, God, I can feel your presence in here. I can feel Jehovah Jireh in our midst. And you're the reason we come to church. You change us, God. You have changed us. And you're in the process of continuing to change us, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you, God, that we would have the opportunity this very week to lower our bucket, to be life to someone. We love you, God, and we just thank you for what you're doing here in this place. If you don't know Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to quickly give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, you want to know that you want to live forever, you can make this decision by simply praying this prayer. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. And because you're victorious, I stand victorious today through you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me as I am now your child from this moment on. I give you my life and I give you my praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome those people into the family of God. Come on. Come on. Amen. Listen. If you are going through something before you leave, I just want to encourage you. Come down, receive prayer from our pastors, our prayer partners, our elders. We do life together. Be real, be authentic, and and let us pray for you. And for those that uh, don't need prayer today, listen, go out there, sign up, get in a family circle, get in a group, be a part of one of our teams, and uh, see what God does through the power of relationship. Let's go out and let's lower those buckets this week, lower those buckets, realizing that the provision was there all along. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a great week.